may be surprising to some and, and certainly may not be logical. Genesis chapter 37 and uh, this is about, you remember Joseph. Joseph was uh, 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 kind of a favored son here and uh, he was out, uh, remember had the coat of many collars and and he was going out to check on his brother and stuff like that. And, and you know what they did. And let's read this in, starting in verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat of many collars that was on him. They took him and cast him to a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to, uh, well, yeah, let me read on. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brethren, what profit is if we slay our brethren or conceal his blood and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. So there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought uh, Joseph to Egypt. So now here, Joseph's brethren cast him into a pit, sold him into slavery. Was that, was that obeying God's? words was that obeying god's revealed will no they were they were to love their brethren so but here they cast him in the pit so were they doing the will of god or not doing the will of god were they obeying or disobeying were they were disobeying god's words they weren't to do that but were they doing god's will you say, well, that's, that's confusing. No, they weren't doing God's will if they weren't obeying him. Uh, or, well, let me, so, let me ask it this way. What took place here? Was this God's will or man's will? They sold him, they cast him into a pit, sold him into slavery, lied to their dad, put blood on the coat, and said some animal, some varmint's killed him. So let me ask you, was it God's will or was it man's will? Now, or was God's will that this didn't happen and man's will prevailed? And the Lord's will did not come to pass. You say, well, the Lord wouldn't will anything like that. After all, he's got this heart motivated from love. We read that in Schofield's notes, didn't we? So, whose will come to pass? Will of God or the will of man? Genesis chapter 45. And verse, starting verse 4, Genesis 45 and 4. This is a little later when Joseph was made known to his brethren. And Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me. Remember there was a famine in the land uh, where they were. And of course, Joseph you know, there's all kind of grain in Egypt because of a dream, and Joseph put ahead of all Pharaoh's affairs and all that. So Joseph's brethren was sent to Joseph to get grain and everything. They were, they were starving. And, and Joseph said to his brethren, 
Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, I'm sure there was some fear in them uh, at that time. Now, but let me ask a question. That event we read about that took place, they sold him into slavery. Was that God's will or man's will? You say, oh, God, God wouldn't will anything like that because that's bad. That had to be man's will. That's what logic would tell us. What does the scripture tell us? Verse 5. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me here for God did send me before you to preserve life. So whose will was this? God's will. He says, God sent me here before you to preserve life. You say, well, it worked together for good. Absolutely it worked together for good. But whose will was it? Was it man's will or was it God's will? It was God's will. Verse 6. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be plowing or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by this great deliverance. So who sent him? Whose desire? Whose will? God's will. God's plan. Verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me here. See, that, that's the question I ask. Whose will was it come to pass? He says, It was not you that sent me here, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So he says, It wasn't you that sent me here, but God. So go back to the event. Where they cast him into a pit. They sold him into slavery. Whose will was it? God's will, God's plan, God sent him. You say, well, that was the free will of man. No, it was God's plan. Doesn't necessarily go along with human logic. And in chapter 50 of Genesis, and verse 20, he tells his brethren again, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. So God meant. God meant. God's purpose. So now whenever I ask, when we first started reading that, whose will was this? He was cast in the pit and sold into slavery. Was it God's will or was it man's will? Now we see it was God's will. And you say, well, but it worked together for good. Yes, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, were they disobeying God's word? Did he want them to disobey his word? God never commanded them to cast their brothers into a pit. They were to love one another. So the revealed will was to love one another, but what was God's secret will? that they'd cast him into the pit, that this would come to pass. Now, let me set something straight. I am not blaming the Lord for doing something bad. Am I saying the Lord was responsible for this? Yes. 
I'm not blaming him. Now, the word blame would, would, would uh, uh, imply that something was done wrong here. Something was done that wasn't right. And that's not the case. So I'm not blaming him. I'm giving him credit. Well, actually, he deserves the credit. I'm, it's not I. But, so I'm not blaming him. But yes, he did this. And he deserves the credit. Whether we see the end or the outcome or not. So he knew what he was doing. So we're giving him credit. His will came to pass. Now, do you think that God put this in his brethren to do this? Absolutely. This was God's will for him to be down here. So God put this in the heart of the brethren to bring this to pass. He, well, the scripture says God works in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. So he worked in them the will to do that. Cast them into a pit. God put that will in them. As far as Pharaoh, uh, I don't want to get too long here. Uh, Exodus chapter 7, uh, real quick here. Uh, Exodus 7 and... and uh, we referred to this early, but let me just go ahead and read it. Exodus 7, verse 2 and 3. This is what he told Moses. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken to you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies, my people, uh, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by a great judgment. So again, he, he, he told his revealed will was, Pharaoh, let my people go. But his secret will was he was going to harden his heart that he would not let the people go. And God had a purpose in it. There's a time and a season and a purpose for everything. Because we don't know it or can't understand it, doesn't, well, it doesn't change God's will. We don't have to put, well, there's aspects of God's will. No, God's will is God's will. It may be secret or it may be revealed, but his will is his will, and it's sovereign. Romans 8, 28, for we know, let's, let's read that. We quote it so many times, I like to look at it sometimes. Romans chapter 8, because it's in the Bible. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the inspired word here of the Lord's penned by Apostle Paul says, and we know he wasn't doubtful. He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, we saw that, didn't we? He said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Let me ask you, is that scripture true? Is that really true? And if it's not, I suggest you cut it out of your Bible. If, it's, if you're using one of the Bibles in the, in the building here, don't tear it out. But if you're using one of your own, you don't believe it, tear it out. It's true. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to his purpose. How do we know that? If man is a free moral agent, how do we know that it's going to work together for good? Bob, if I'm a free moral agent and you're a free moral agent and, and I go do this and you go do this, how do we know it's working together for good? If we're all, how many 
millions and billions of peoples on the earth, if we're all free moral agents, Doris, how do we know this working together for good? And it couldn't be. We, we, we wouldn't know that, would we? We just wouldn't know that. So this is proof that there is a sovereign God in control of all things. And that's how we know. That's how the writer says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to his purpose. Because there's a sovereign God and his sovereign will is coming to pass. That's how we know this. So it's because, but if God was not a sovereign, if he did not have a sovereign will, this scripture, we would just have to take this out. This would not be true. But it is true. It's true because of his sovereign will. Now, let's go back to our text for a minute. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. We've talked about his sovereign will. Even he even wills for some to disobey his revealed will. Well, we saw that. So now, 2 Peter 3 and 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is the Lord's will concerning this? What is the Lord's will concerning this? Say, well, it says not willing that any should perish. It does say that. That's part of what it says. Let's go to Second um, Peter, the first chapter. Or actually, Second Peter, the second chapter, and verse 1. How many believe the Bible contradicts itself? Nobody raised their hand. That's good. I don't believe it does either. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who secretly shall bring in destructive heresies and denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon them swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of... Uh, uh, whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So it tells us here there's going to be false prophets, false teachers, going to bring in dis, uh, destructive heresies. Many's going to follow their pernicious ways. Uh, by, it says, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken. So it says, we're going to have this. Now, skip over verse 12, talking about these same ones. But these, these ones we just spoke of, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Now, here's some going to perish. What was God's will concerning them? You say, well, we don't know that. Yes, we do. What was God's will concerning these? It says that now these are going to perish. These, these, all these that we read about said they're going to perish. What was God's will concerning them? Would it be God's will? Was it God's will that they perish? Oh, no, it couldn't be that because our text says not willing that any should perish. That's part of what our text said. 
still may be confusing. Let me ask again, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. But these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of those things that they understand not, shall utterly perish in their own corruption. What was God's will concerning these? Was it God's will that they perish? Oh, it couldn't be. Well, look at what it says. But these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed. Who made them? Is there another creator that I'm not aware of? There's one creator. It was God. And God made them for this specific purpose. That's the reason they were made. It says, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. God made them for this purpose. So then, if we're honest with ourselves and the Lord would open our hearts... Can't we say, isn't the scripture saying that it was God's will that these would perish? In verse 12 of 2 Peter 2, these said, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil things that they understand not and shall perish in their own corruption. Don't we have to say that this is God's will for them to perish? Connie, it says they were made for this. God's the only one that makes it. God's the creator. They were made for this. So we'd have to say that what was God's will concerning these, his will concerning these was that they would utterly perish, is what it says. Then how can we take this with our text in chapter 3 of 2 Peter and verse 9? Is it contradicting itself? His will has to be that they would perish, or utterly perish, as it says here, in verse 12. But then our text, part of our text says, not willing that any should perish. But again, see, I said part of it. And, and Doris, there's a little two-letter word there that, that people overlook. Us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Us. He's talking about a certain people. Second uh, Peter 1 and 1. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them have obtained life's precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's the us that he's speaking about. This uh, said, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's the us that he's speaking about. And if you go look at this in, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 3, it says, uh, but his long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. He's talking about the us. I, I go through this, if you would go, and I have a highlight in my Bible. But if you go through this second and, and third uh, chapter, you'll see they. They speak great swelling words. Uh, been better for them had they not known. Uh, and it says, uh, 
They, for this, they willingly are ignorant. So you've got they, and it's got you and ye also. It says, uh, and I've got it highlighted. I've got the yellows highlighted, or the they's and them's highlighted in yellow. And I've got the, the you and your and ye and us in green. And it's talking about two different groups. So the they and them were made for this destruction to perish, as it says in verse 12. The you and your and ye and us, he's not willing for any of them to perish. Don't have time to go into it, but these ones that uh, in, in the first verse it says uh, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ though they'd have to have eyes to see that wouldn't they eyes to see ears to hear where does the seeing eye and the hearing hear hearing ear come from anyway it comes from the Lord now we won't have time but in Matthew chapter 13 they asked the Lord, the disciples said, Lord, why do you speak in parables? And he said, well, he says, he says many things there, but he says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. But he says, the reason I speak in parables is because some, they're blinded. And they can't see and they can't hear. And he says, I speak in parables for that purpose, that they won't see and they won't hear and they won't understand. So those are some they're not going to see, they're not going to hear, they're not going to understand. And whose will is that? God's will. That's the, and hard for people to understand. That was the reason that Jesus spoke in parables. He did not want some to see, hear, and understand. Still going on today. They don't understand. They haven't been given eyes. But if we, in many things that I haven't gone to, but if we look at verse 9 again, our, our, our text, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. Or you could put it, not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And they will. And I realize there's, there's more things here and there's some other things, but I, I want to get the basic down. This is not contradicting itself. So the us is speaking of the Lord is not willing that any should perish. And let me just tell you, not one of them will perish. Because he has a sovereign will. Now, I'm, I may have desires or will that, that, that uh, uh, ends in disappointment. I didn't want it to rain last Friday and Saturday. We had plans the way it rained. Uh, my, my wills and desires are disappointment all the time, but not God's. He wasn't disappointed when Pharaoh, disappointed, when Pharaoh disobeyed his will or his revealed will. Or, well, maybe I said different. He wasn't uh, disappointed when Pharaoh disobeyed his commandment to let the people go. That was God's plan. He wasn't disappointed when uh, uh, Joseph's brethren cast him into a pit. That was his secret will. That was his plan all along. They didn't know it. 
So today when people say things like, well, we had 9-11, oh, that couldn't have been God's will. Well, it was. So as we look at our eternal salvation, eternal security goes, if the Lord wills that a certain elect would not perish, then they are eternally secure. They won't perish. Not, not one of them. You say, well, you can't be eternally secure because you don't know what you're going to do. And that's true. I don't know what I'm going to do. But see, it's not dependent upon what I'm going to do. And we can, there's many scriptures that, that would tell us that. But let me just state this. As we look at this, don't leave out the us. Many people look at this and say, God's not willing for any human being to perish. That's just not true. We read over there, Helen, some were made for that purpose. So, but people, they can't conceive that. This says he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. But we know some will perish, not some of the us. But they don't see the us. So they think, well, he's not willing that any should perish, but some are going to perish, so he doesn't have a sovereign will. Man must have free will. Because they don't understand, verse 9, because they don't see the difference between us and they, they have to come up with these different theories about different aspects of God's will. Well, his sovereign will comes to pass, but his desire out of love, that will only comes to pass as to where it's in his sovereign will. And they come up with all these things just because they don't understand, just don't see the difference between us and they. So the us he's speaking of, not one of them will perish. Some of them were created to perish. See, we're out of time. People oftentimes don't see and understand God. Well, Daniel 4.35 tells us he rules in the army of heaven and among the heavens of the earth. We ask, I ask you, is God's will coming to pass in heaven? Oh, sure, everything's perfect in heaven. His will's coming to pass. He rules in heaven. He's a sovereign in heaven. Well, it says he rules in the armies of heaven and among the heavens of the earth. So he also rules down here. He's also a sovereign down here. And his will is coming to pass down here. Because I don't understand or can't explain it doesn't mean it's not true. His will come to pass, pass with Pharaoh. Pharaoh disobeyed, disobeyed his commandment, but that was God's secret will. Joseph's brethren done the same thing, but that was God's will that they cast him into pit, and it worked together for good, as all things do. All things work together for good to them that love God, them are called according to his purpose. So God is ruling in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Doesn't that bring you peace and comfort and security? He's not willing that any of his should perish. So I hope that we've taken some of the confusion out of that. You could read so many scriptures about eternal security. Uh, I was going to quit. Let me read in John chapter 10, and we'll close with this. Uh, There's so many scriptures about eternal security. 
John 10 and 27, the Lord is speaking here. My sheep hear my voice. Now, these are, are, are facts that I'm reading here. These aren't conditional. These are facts. My sheep hear my voice. Will they? Absolutely. Well, the ones that try harder, no, just his sheep will hear his voice. That's a fact. I know them. Does he? Yes. They will follow me. Was the one that exercises their free will or don't know? It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. It's not conditional about their free will or choices or anything. And I give them eternal life. He doesn't offer it. And says, and they shall never perish. Will they perish? Our lesson said he's not willing that any of these should perish. Now, there were some made to perish by God. But these sheep. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck him out of my Father's hand. The ones that the Father willed that would not perish, not one of them will perish. And it's not dependent upon man's free will. It's dependent upon God's sovereign will. And not one of them will perish. Now, there's some that he has created to perish. But not one of them, of his sheep that he's elected, not one of them will perish. May the